This is Fuda for Thought, and I'm your host, Carlo Fuda. Fuda for Thought is a space to challenge your perceptions and to savor la dolce vita, the sweet life. Like any edible morsel, it can be difficult to swallow or leave you hungry for more. driving right now so I hope the audio is clear (laughs) in this episode I'm gonna talk about my journey in I don't know what else to call it it's not religious belief it's not necessarily spirituality it's not a journey of atheism it's just my own personal tale of how I got to from you know the holy water that baptized my head all the way through to where I am today as a secular humanist and it has not been uh, a straightforward path on this journey by any means a lot of misconceptions and perceptions and assumptions fill people's heads when they hear me or see me or see the things that I talk about, or things that I say. I often feel mis- misunderstood, you know, like m- most of us do in one way or another. But in in my area, where I feel very misunderstood, is is in this particular area of belief, of ideology. So I will tell you a story, and the story is going to be of me because that's the story I know best, you know. And in my own story. I pull in from all of us, from all, whoops, from all of, I just went off the road a little bit. I'm okay. I'm not, I'm neither stoned, uh, nor, um, incapable of driving because I'm recording. I just, I have difficulty driving in general. So, um, because of mobility issues, but for right now I'm doing better than what I would consider most of the population, even with these disabilities and handicaps that I have. All right. So anyway, I was born into a Roman Catholic family and I was baptized and I have godparents and I went to CCD and I've been yelled at by nuns and I went to my church for the first 20 years of my life. I loved it. They never made me feel bad about myself. My particular church, my church, my, my, Roman Catholic Church in my hometown never made me feel bad about myself. Not because of being born gay, which I couldn't talk about. I couldn't say that. I couldn't, you know, I went to confession. I followed the sacraments. I read my Bible. I attended novenas. I went to CCD and I loved it. You know, yeah, there were things I didn't love. Like I didn't love having to learn all the prayers all the time, but I know them still to this day and I ended up learning them I'll share that story after I record all this I know a couple of my friends really enjoy the story of the time that I lied (laughs) to a nun's face I was little but I still no excuse lied right to her face but anyway so yeah I uh I was born and raised Roman Catholic I had a good I loved it you know and simultaneously 
while I was loving being Roman Catholic and knowing that I was a gay child, I was also listening to these Christian narratives that were bastardizing and weaponizing the Christian religion, and I could see it as from a young age. And that's when my absolute... <clears throat> I have to clear my throat once in a while because it's a good way for me to stop from lashing out or using words that I probably shouldn't be using even on this explicit podcast. But when I was a kid, I, I, uh, I became familiar with pieces of shit like Anita Bryant, who I think is still alive. May she choke on a dick. Um, and the hatred she had for me, for me as a child. And I would see her on TV and I would think, you don't know me. I'm gay. How could you be saying these things? I had no, I had no choice. I had no choice. And I have to hide and, and defend myself. So it wasn't my Roman Catholic experience. It wasn't my church. Nor was it the Catholic university that I chose to attend to. The Catholic university where during my, my years of university I was closeted. But I do remember in my freshman year they hung rainbow flags in one of our buildings and handed out condoms. And I thought that is amazing. That is progressive. And I'm glad my school is doing these things, even though I'm not saying that I'm gay and I'm not out of the closet. I at least felt a sense of appreciation and pride for my university and a very strong Catholic university that embraces and loves its students. I don't know about now. Maybe they changed too. Maybe they got worse <laughs> like the rest of the country. I don't know. So anyway... In college, in this Catholic university, we were not forced to attend mass, even though I did anyway. And we were not forced to do anything by the traditions of Roman Catholicism, though I did plenty. I used to say my rosary every night. I loved it. Um, up until I was probably like 22 or 23. And these are not the reasons why I'm atheist. I loved saying my rosary. I still say the, the Hail Mary once in a while or the Our Father. If I'm having like a panic attack, I know that's not the intention of other people's prayers, but um, it helps me and I know them and there's reasons why it helps and it's not the religious reasons. But anyway, I know them. So in university, we took various classes and I took several theology classes over, over my academic career and uh, one in particular was called World Religions. Because I took Catholic tradition, I took a, a number of Catholic classes because I really enjoyed them. Uh, even though <laughs> it did kind of stir some thoughts in me. But this world religions class introduced me to so many religions. And we also had a lot of biblical study of the Christian Bible within this class, you know. So it was kind of a combination. And that's when things changed for me. Uh, I started thinking... Whoa, where'd all these religions come from? And I had friends that I started to meet. Friends that were Zoroastrian and Baha'i and various um, segments of Christianity. You know, not just Catholic, Presbyterian, Protestant, Lutheran, Methodist that I was used to in my hometown and growing up. But I was introduced to so many more. Muslim and you know, as a, as a child, I knew um, people of the Jewish faith and I knew uh, Hindus, but you didn't think of it as much. And they were in such a small 
minority of our town and of our lives that we were loving. But, you know, in your mind, you think, well, my religion is correct. So I guess in college at that age and stage, I thought, well, they can't, (laughs) they can't all be correct. And if one of them is right and the rest are wrong, what kind of world would it be that that we live in, you know? And I didn't even, I'm not even saying which one would be right and the others which would be wrong. Just the whole premise of that. So for me, that kind of started me on a, on a journey of questioning, which many religions frown upon questioning things. And so I guess that was a way that I made that leap out of an organized religion and into my own individuality of where I am. Because what people don't understand is... So I wasn't, like, immediately an atheist. I, I kind of, like, was like, all right, well, I'll follow Madonna. and Maybe I'll be a Kabbalist. <laughs> you know, which is, like, Jewish mysticism. And then I was like, you know what? I know some, some Buddhist. I'll be a Buddhist and follow the teachings of the Buddha, which I still kind of do. So I kind of incorporate a little bit of that, a little bit of Kabbalah, my Roman Catholic upbringing. And then I started to become obsessed with all religions, Islam and Judaism and lesser known religions like Zoroastrianism and uh, Zoroastrianism and the Baha'i faith. Uh, and I started to think, wow, the, the little tidbits of that are cool and little tidbits of that. And then I started thinking, well, what are some of the oldest religions? Like, what, 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 ha- like, what is the timeline of all this stuff? So then I started looking back and I'm like oh okay so like Islam's like a thousand years Uh, Christianity's like two thousand you know Zoroastrianism is like a thousand years before Christianity so like these are rough estimates from my memory but I think they're fairly correct Um, (laughs) so anyway I started learning about all the religions and I started learning about what atheists were saying and what What do Wiccans believe? And what do Satanists believe? And what does everyone believe? Like, what are they talking about? And what are these people doing? And within each one, you will always find good and bad. Period. Good and bad Christians. Good and bad Satanists. Good and bad Jews. Good and bad Muslims. Good and bad atheists. Good and bad of everybody. These groups and these labels do not make you instantly good despite what you may have been taught or what you think, it takes a lot more to be good. It takes a hell of a lot more than just saying, I'm Christian, or I'm holding this Bible, or I'm going to church every Sunday, or I'm wearing a cross, or I'm saying that I follow the teachings of Christ, when, for some of us who know a lot more about religion and many religions, I can smell that shit from a mile away. I always pick on her, but Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'm sorry, honey, you don't pass the sniff test with this one. Mm -mm. Christ would be rolling his eyes at her. (laughs) Like an eye roll of literally biblical proportions. So yeah, I went through my phases, blah, blah, blah. And in between all my moves to Italy and back and traveling and all this stuff, you know, I just ended up then becoming more atheist but even for me that was becoming too harsh and then I was seeing like atheists wanted to like band together (laughs) like as though it's like a religion and I'm like no I don't I don't want that I don't share anything with any other atheist other than the fact it's a 
atheist without religion. That's it. That's it. So that's the only common denominator. So I'm not going to really you know, put myself in that group just because I want to feel a sense of community. I don't need that. I'm not at that point anymore. I know a lot of people are, and if you are, good for you. Find community, but find good communities, communities that help you, that you're interested in. Don't feel guilty if you don't want to be a part of them. And don't feel reluctant if you do. If you do, then go join them. We make life so much harder. So much harder. I don't want to be part of any community. I'm my own community. I know tons of people. And I judge people on an individual character. So that makes it a lot harder (laughs) to join a church because my big mouth will say things like, you know, now, 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 now. I'll speak up in the moment. My filter kind of got squashed in 2020. So it's not that I, uh, you know, I don't eat babies. I don't, um, you know, (laughs) sacrifice chickens in my, I don't do any of those things. I am just without religion. That's all that means. And so you might ask, well, where's your moral compass? Where does that come from? Well, I used to be more morally crappy in my younger years. So with age and stage has come a straightening out of my moral compass. Because to me, morality isn't the fact that, you know, because I'm a huge slut, self, self-admitted <laughs> over the years, still am, I guess, but um, much more when I was younger. I don't think that's immoral. I don't think that's a lack of moral judgment. I don't think that's an issue of morality, my sexuality and my sexual behaviors. Those are my choices. And as long as sex is between two consenting adults, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line, okay? I don't care if you're gay, straight, bi, cis, cis, trans, black, white. I don't care. Christian, I don't care. Sex needs to be consensual between two adults, period. All the time. All the time. That is the rule. That is morality. Knowing that. Understanding that. Understanding the difference. That's morality. Whether people like to hear that or not. But that's the truth. <laughs> you, know? you know. I'm a good person. Okay. I'm fair. I have compassion. I'm not always nice. But being nice isn't being moral or ethical we have to be tolerant of one another but we don't have to accept one another if people don't want to accept me because I'm gay I don't give two fucks I really don't what I do care about is the fact that people's criticism of me being gay and of others being gay has been weaponized into laws that criminalize and I was fortunately born in the late 70s. Oh, I better get gas pretty soon. I was born in the late 70s. So a decade before I was born, people were being arrested for being gay. For like two gay people getting together for coffee, getting arrested. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. I have gay friends that I have never even seen their dick. Because they are like siblings to me and that's gross. I don't want to sleep with them. (laughs) I don't look at them that way. I've never looked at my closest gay friends that way just like there are men that have close female friends that will never look at them that way because it becomes 
a different kind of friendship. So you're telling me that if me and some of my friends who are gay friends who are strictly platonic went out to have a kiki and have a little coffee and catch up, we would have been risked, we would have had the risk of being arrested in the, in the, in the 1960s in the United States of America. And 10 years later, two weeks before I was born, that beep, Anita Bryant was spewing her hate speech against gay marriage, against gay people, filling the minds and planting seeds of Christofascism in this country that were already being planted abundantly. And two weeks before I was born, that bitch got a pie right in her face. Ooh, child! I have never, ever seen a pie so beautiful or tasted a flavor so sweet than that bitch getting it right in her face. Good. Good, 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 good. And I will repeat and share that gif or jif or whatever the fuck you call them until 10 minutes after I'm dead. Two weeks before I was born, she was on there. Like, what a fucking bitch. And she caused a lot of issues because as America was in this war with Russia, and at that time, Russia was very atheist. So America used that to spin... They spun that so that they would recruit more American support against Russia, which was good to get the... They did the wrong things for the right reasons because we should have been against Russia then as we should be now and as we should have been since then. But this religious interference got in the way because they used that. And so when people like Anita Bryant got on TV and was like, you know, I'm Christian and I'm holier than thou and I'm, you know, a representative of the American uh, culture and uh, the gays are horrible. And, you know, we're in this, you know, hate everything godless and the gays are godless. So she pushed people out of the, out of the faith because that's what's happened over the last 30 years that type of behavior. Remember, there's nothing worse for Christianity than a Christo-fascist because that behavior causes more questions. As a kid, I knew I was right for being gay. Like, I, I didn't choose to be gay. I just was. But she chose her words. And when I got home from school in the afternoons and went to turn on my television, because back then you had to turn it on to ch- Channel 3 to use the VCR... And I saw that bitch on um, CNN. And this was years later after she got the pie. And I remember being like 12, 13 years old, knowing very well that I was gay. Not, not saying a word. Even though there were some bullies at school who would say plenty of words, which we'll talk about next week in the episode titled The Cafeteria, which is next Sunday. Uh... It hurt. It hurt as a child to see that and not being able to talk about it to adults, to teachers, to parents, to friends. Seeing Anita Bryan on CNN being interviewed by, I don't know who it was. It might have been, you know, like Larry King or whoever. But um, her saying that I was an abomination, a little 12-year-old little boy who had never had sex at that point who had kissed one girl. (laughs) You know, that's a different story. She's no longer with us, so that made me pause and 
soften a bit because talking about Anita Bryant gets me fired up but then thinking about my friend Jamie who I kissed in the fourth grade I want to say at a Halloween party um, and I married her on the playground in the third grade that makes me feel smiley and um, and grateful grateful for so many amazing people that I have in my life and that's what kept me safe and that's what kept me protected from bullies like Anita Bryant and bullies at school so that's my rant and that's 20 minutes and I just got to Walmart's (laughs) because I gotta get cat food Because I have a coupon and I have to use the coupon because I'm low on funds. Because I can't work right now. Because I can barely breathe. And at times walk. But you keep on, you keep on keeping on. You roll with the punches. I hope everyone has a good week. And tune in next week for uh, the cafeteria. It's a... It's going to be a little bit of everything in that episode. But we'll definitely be talking about bullies... And um, and what we can do today in 2022 to combat bullying and help these kids. Because not everyone uh, was or is as lucky as I was as a child. Despite hating Anita Bryant, I was so, so, so lucky. And still am. And still am. And I'm so grateful. And that gratitude is, wow, it's life-saving and beautiful. Thank you for listening, and be sure to check out the blog at foodofthought.com for more information, pictures, and videos from each episode. Join me next week, and I'll share more stories, more social commentary, and just a little bit more food for thought with me, your host, Carlo Fuda. Have a great week, and don't forget, la vita is dolce. Eat it! <laughs>